From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. As we begin this new year, we invite you to hear Dr. Cairns as he continues a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Today's text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. The Things Which Are Not Seen In our Christian pilgrimage, it is well, for the most part, to be looking forward. Forward lies the crown, and onward is the goal whether it be for hope, for joy, for consolation, or for inspiring of our love, the future must, after all, be the grand object of the eye of faith. Looking into the future, we see sin cast out, the body of sin and death destroyed, the soul made perfect and fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. Looking further yet, the believer's enlightened eye can see death's river past, the gloomy stream forded, and the hills of light attained on which standeth the celestial city. He seeth himself enter within the pearly gates, hailed as more than conqueror, crowned by the hand of Christ, embraced in the arms of Jesus, glorified with him, and made to sit together with him on his throne, even as he has overcome and has sat down with the Father on his throne. The thought of this future may well relieve the darkness of the past and the gloom of the present. The joys of heaven will surely compensate for the sorrows of earth. Hush, my fears. This world is but a narrow span, and thou shalt soon have passed it. Hush, hush, my doubts. Death is but a narrow stream, and thou shalt soon have forded it. Time, how short! Eternity, how long! Death, how brief! Immortality, how endless! Methinks I even now eat of Eshkel's clusters and sip of the well which is within the gate. The road is so, so short, I shall soon be there. When the world my heart is rending with its heaviest storm of care, my glad thoughts to heaven ascending find a refuge from despair. Faith's bright vision shall sustain me till life's pilgrimage is past. Fears may vex, and troubles pain me. I shall reach my home at last. When engulfed. 
Oft by the terror of tempestuous sea, unknown waves before you roll. At the end of doubt and peril is eternity. Amidst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, "...it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment." How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently-sized booklet. 
To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it. This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues his series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ as he brings the next portion of a message entitled, The Unconcealable Christ. In Matthew chapter 15 and in Mark chapter 7, we find the account of Christ and the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was possessed of an unclean spirit. The setting is a Gentile land and among a people hated by the Jews, Yet the Lord Jesus went there, apparently, to get away from the constant crowds for a while. Matthew 7, verse 24, gives the theme for the message. Christ entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. The text reminds us, first, that Christ's presence convinces sinners to trust him, and, second, that the Lord's pity shows him to be the only one who can meet the deepest human need. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message, The Unconcealable Christ. The trial of our faith is a precious thing because it is to make His presence all the more glorious at the proper time of Christ's revelation of Himself. It is to make us more all, all the more desirous. It is to make us less and less attached to the world and more and more to yearn after him. 
That's the reason he hides his face. For a short time, he says, I have forsaken you, or appear to have. But with great mercies, I'll gather you. That's how the Lord deals with his people. Is not Job the outstanding example of this? You think of all that time that Job went on. And what was he saying? Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Oh, that I could come before God. Oh, that he would come and speak to me now. Where is God when I need him? Where is God when my, my family's gone, my health is gone, my wealth is gone, my friends have gone, my reputation's gone? What Satan wanted him to be able to say was, my faith has gone. And though at times I think Job came perilously close, he couldn't deny the Lord. That's why he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, in even those extreme circumstances, the Lord was there. When he couldn't see him, he was still there. When he couldn't feel him, he was still there. When there was no evident demonstration of his presence, he was still there, watching. Until the right time. And Job had come to the end of himself. And words had dried up. Then the Lord showed himself. You see, in the experiences of life, cry to him. In a church this size this morning, there is no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that there are people sitting here with burdens that crush their hearts, with dark thoughts that afflict their minds, with pains that rack their bodies. And they need, they need the Lord to show himself. The temptation of the devil for God's people is always what he led the children of Israel to say, is the Lord among us or not? And the Lord was incensed that the people of God would even ask such a question. Is the Lord among us or not? It's not a question that a Christian should be asking. For the Lord has said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I will not fail thee. It's the Lord's promise. Therefore, it's not will God reveal himself, but when and how will he do it? For do it he will. Let us grasp this today in the experiences of life. He cannot be hid. The bereavements of death cannot hide Christ. The sufferings of the body cannot hide Christ. The torments of the mind cannot hide Christ. The afflictions of the world, the opposition of the devil, the weakness of the flesh cannot hide Christ. 
Oh, that we would grasp this today. He is the unconcealable Christ. He cannot be hid. And it's true also in the work and the witness of the church. You can't hide him. I love what's said in uh, Mark chapter 2. Beautiful statement about Christ going into the house in Capernaum. And you remember that great occasion when uh, they let the man down through the roof and he healed him. He healed him. Well, there's a beautiful statement there. I'm deliberately not turning to it because if I get on to it, we'll never get back. And I haven't even got to my text yet. Uh, we'll never get back here. It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. I have often thought, you know, that is the very best way to build a church. That's the best way to get people into a church. That's the best way to see the work of God flourish. Let it be noised abroad that Jesus is here. Oh, tell the people that this preacher's here or that preacher's there. Some will come because they like him. Some will stay away because they don't like him. Others will turn up for a group that's going to sing and entertain them on the way to hell. What does it matter whether they come or whether they don't come under those circumstances? But oh, let it be noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. And he has still that mighty, attractive force. I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And while that is significantly true and primarily true of his crucifixion, drawing his people out of all the world, it is always true in the most practical level where Jesus is lifted up. He has the most magnetic power in all the world that he draws people to himself. I think that people stay away from churches because they go to church and they see people and they never see the Lord. They go to church and they hear drivel, but they never meet with the Lord. They hear principles of life, but they don't meet with the Lord. Men and women, let it be noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. Men will come. I believe that where the gospel is preached, where prayer is wont to be made, where believers are devoted to the service of their Savior, where they're obedient to his call to evangelize the lost, where they are determined by the grace of God to serve not in the power of flesh, but by the anointing of the Spirit of God, I believe they will find that Jesus cannot be hid. His glory is unconcealable. We see that in the passage that we have been reading today. He could not be hid. And that fact produced three great results. This was to be what I was preaching on this morning, but uh, it took me a little time to get there, so I'll have to be brief on it. But three great results of the fact that he couldn't be hid. It led first to a confession of his person. Notice what the woman said to him, Matthew 15, 22. To O Lord, thou son of David. And then later, verse 27, she simply addressed him as Lord. Now, I can't tell you for sure how this woman learned about the Messiahship of Christ, but I know that she had learned about it. She saw him as her Lord. She saw him as the promised Messiah. 
of the Israel of God. She saw him as the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. She saw him as the rightful king of Israel, the son of David. Now that's quite a theological revelation. That's a whole lot more than you would have imagined this this Syrophoenician heathen ever to have gleaned. But this much she knew. It's amazing when I read some commentators in a passage like this, and uh, they they talk about her approach to him, that uh, really she probably didn't see much about his deity. She didn't see this. She didn't see that. She didn't see the other thing. I think that this woman saw a whole lot more than most of the educated idiots who try to comment upon her coming. I wish that they could come with as much revelation from God and as much faith uh, as this woman came confessing his person. And thank God that glory is still unconcealable. You think of the person of Christ. Satan has heaped scorn upon his person. Infidels have blasphemed him. Apostates have denied him. And they've used every device and art known to man to discredit him. But still... The glory of his person cannot be hid. Through the fires of opposition and persecution, through the fogs of infidelity, through the confusion caused by apostates who have got inside the church of Christ, the beams of that glorious person shine with undiminished power and fullness. And here's the rub. What? convinces men so that they make a confession of his person. What does it? The reality of his presence. That's what does it. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I'm going to make what to some is an outlandish statement. It's never stopped me making it before. It'll not stop me making it now. Apologetics always comes to the fore in the church when it is least experiencing the presence and the power of the risen Christ. Now, I have studied apologetics. I've even taught some apologetics, so I'm not against them. There are good reasons for what we believe. But let me tell you, to convince men of who Christ is, we need not better arguments or greater learning. We need the reality of his presence. And that's it. You read your church history. Tell me, what apologetics did the apostles need on the day of Pentecost? Now there is the basis, (laughs) this is the strange thing, there's the basis of the best system of apologetics in the way they preach. But they were not They were not depending on their argument. They were depending on the presence and the power of their God. The Lord was with them in the person of His Spirit. 
they won the day. What took Rome and the empire by storm? The preaching of the gospel. And you know, when you get into the, the apostolic fathers and then the sub-apostolic fathers and then the later fathers, the one thing you find is this, that the further they drifted from the apostolic method of preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost to the dependence upon human systems of argument, to that extent, they did two things. They lost the battle for souls even when they added numbers to the church. And the second thing they did, they corrupted the witness of the church. You see where Jesus is. There's the confession of his person. I can take that in a lot of directions this morning that I uh, will only hint at. But I'm going to say this to you. Whatever the pomp and the pageantry of particular so-called Christian religious groups... Whatever the excitement, where the person of Jesus Christ is not confessed, he is not there. That's not Christianity. Where the doctrine of his person is fundamentally denied or corrupted, he is not there. No matter what people feel. And where his person is not confessed, his presence is not known. Where Jesus is, there's the confession of his person. There's also the revelation of his pity. This is one of the most powerful evidences of his glory. It's his treatment of needy souls. The old hymn says, none but Jesus, none but Jesus can do guilty sinners good. That was the conviction of this Syrophoenician woman. Where she got it all, as I say, other than by the gift of God, I know not, but certainly she knew, here's the one to do me good. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening, 
and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.